now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey Adam, it's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. Very special guest today, all the way from the South Shore of Kauai. Deborah Silverman is with us. Welcome, Deborah. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, this so, is exciting. It is. I was just marveling at the drive down because I'm on the North Shore. I think people on the North Shore look down on the South Shore, South Shore a little bit. That's good to know. I wonder what was going on. Yeah. They, and, and, I, and I had this moment where I was driving down and I was like, I mean, this is beautiful. They have all these like forests and trees and farms. And really and good, easy access beaches and yeah. great bike paths. Don't tell everybody. Don't tell. I, think, I feel like everyone knows. I know, but I don't want too many people to come. That's how everyone in the North Shore feels. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want people coming I, I to the South Shore. <laughs> this feels like a West Side Story, you know, like. You guys are going to rumble now. This is the jet yeah, you can you do. I love that. Uh, and Josh is joining us from Los Angeles. How's Los Angeles, Josh? It's warm. It's summer. Yeah? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's like warm, warm. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Not to have a pissing contest about heat, but I talked to my sister over the weekend in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. She said, you know, it's like 97 degrees. Oh. Ooh. She's like, there's Ooh. no one on the street. People won't go out right now. Wonder Everyone's inside. Why. And I was like, yeah. what a beautiful time in New York City if it just weren't 97 degrees. If Silence. Only. Yeah. Silence. Uh, well, we are so thrilled to have Deborah on for a number of reasons, mostly because Josh and I are pretty obsessed with character. And we were so interested to hear someone who spends a lot of time studying astrology and has spent 30 years doing that, as well as psychotherapy. And it sounds like has done some integration of the two. Uh, on our show. So I was super excited about that. Also, I think I need to be upfront with our listeners. Um, Josh, my co-host, is enormously educated about astrology. <laughs> I, um, I think I make up signs sometimes. Like, I'm like, like, someone's like, oh, she was born in April. When, what is she? And I'm like, um, like a penguin. And they're like, and they're like, that's not a sign. That's not a sign. So I am playing way behind. I am playing way behind on this uh, topic but actually i drove over excited because i was like i'm gonna learn something today yeah i thought maybe i could have a turn because there are a lot of people i respect who are really into astrology but i've never really gotten it maybe because i'm too virgo right i have i have your chart in front of you but let's not start there it's so interesting mr virgo (laughs) yeah when you're when the time is right i will give you a pointer or two because you've got some details in this chart okay mr detail thank you Wow, you took the time to check it out. I appreciate that. Thank you. It was really thoughtful of you. So, I want to start with an opening question, and the question is this. You have decades of experience as an astrologer, both teaching, reading. You have decades of experience as a psychotherapist, and recently you've started to do storytelling on stage. That's, we were in a show on Sunday night in the North Shore. Uh, there were over 50 people there. It was great. What attracted you to storytelling? Like, What has drawn you into that? 
every session that I've done all these years is a story. Every person is a story. I love that quote by Ellie Wiesel that the reason why God created us is because she loves stories. Like the whole, every single human. So I've always been the nosiest person you ever met. Like I could listen to people talk. I Someone nicknamed me Big Ears. I don't really have big ears, but I love hearing people's stories. So because I've collected so much human nature, having it's actually 40 years I've been in private practice, I reached a certain pitch where I was like, okay, I've now seen, they say at the age of 40, you've met every kind of personality you're going to meet. Like you've, you've yeah. humans will now repeat themselves. And I do feel like pattern recognition is one of my gifts. So I've collected all those stories. And then I thought, well, how can I teach this material, which I've been doing all along? I have a big school, university, people come and study with me and get certified. But I want to know, how can I teach this in a way that won't be theory? Like, I won't just be another intellectual piece of information because astrology is so heady at its worst. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I know. And if you s- do you see those funny videos? Have you seen my YouTube videos? I, I have been watching your YouTube videos. I, I have. I have seen them, too. Very charming, very fun. Their little five-minute ones have reached seven million hits. So there's this one set, specific set, that is me acting out all 12 signs. And that was my only time ever acting. I did it. <laughs> this is a funny story. I produced them had them been in a drawer. I watched the woman editing and I was so embarrassed. Like I looked like I was mentally ill. Like what is wrong with this woman? 12 different personalities showed up and I was acting like a crazy person. So I was embarrassed by them. I put them in a drawer. Fast forward five years later, I got my first website and she said, the woman said, do you have any videos? And I gave her and I heard her cracking up in the other room. So those videos have become really classical. That was my success was those short little acting out improvisation where I... I, faced, I saw those. I yeah. saw those. I thought it was brilliantly done in both, in both script and in performance. But I had so no... Know. I mean, honestly, this is the gift that I have. It's a little peculiar is I can be a channel and embody mm. other people's signs. It sounds so weird. But I, and that's so... Now my new deci- decision was to say, I'm going to embody the four elements. Like mm-hmm. skip the 12 signs. Let me just make it so human that people will finish the show, finish hearing the story, and they'll go... Oh, maybe there is something to that stuff. And that's like, you are a perfect candidate. I wanted, I like to have the people that don't believe a thing sit mm-hmm. with me. And then at the end, they're like, why did she know all that? And that opens the door of faith and believing in magic and really knowing the stars and astrology is real. Okay, so here's my big question, which I'm sure you've gotten a million times, which is, so let's say we sit down and you tell me all these things. And I'm like, yeah, that is really consistent with my behavior and my traits and the history of my life. How do I then use that to... Like, now what? That's my question. Like, so now do I use it? Is it, like, self-awareness? I use it from a character perspective to understand what my behavioral traits are and my patterns are in case I want to make different choices? So it's so funny because I have a very some famous people I work with. One's an actress, and she's made all her characters have charts. Isn't that funny? Mm. Just what? an aside. But the answer to your question is because I'm a psychotherapist, yes, the material is... So you're so earth. You have so much earth in your chart, Adam, really. You've got Capricorn rising in Virgo. It's all about practicality. So does it grow corn? Is this valuable? It's kind of Jewish. Like, is there any value to this, really? Oh, yeah, how long is this going to take before we get some return? Well, it's actually interesting. I'm not... It's, it's funny you say that because I never knew anything about astrology, but in high school, um, my girlfriend and my four best friends were all born in January. And it's even weird for me because, like, January I have to set aside because it's, like, every, all my close friends from growing up are born in January. So even to the point where now we've started bundling birthday parties into multiple people on one night. So I was drawn to people born in a certain time of year. I knew that. And it's Capricorn. Yeah. They're all Capricorn. Well, you're a rising sign. Don't, don't get technical on you yet. Sorry. The short, I, no, I don't want to ruin it for you, but the short answer is 
when we ask those practical questions, what's the value of astrology and why would I be doing storytelling? I'm trying to get everyone fired up to believe uh-huh. that there is personality traits and you can then not just become aware, that's the first step, but you can change to some extent your judgments of them or your inter- your internal dialogue. I change people's internal dialogue. I stop the noise of the head that says, I think I should be different. No, your chart said this. Stop arguing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it gives like another perspective where you're like, this is this well, other authority and now rather than so fight it, we can consider it part of your character. Someone said it, the perfect chart is that you live your chart, but you live your chart to its highest potentiality in terms of upward spirals. And so when you have that information, you can make more healthy choices as opposed to patterned unhealthy choices. That's and true. it gives you what we would call in our, in our, ver, in our land, Adam, choice point. So when the, when the character gets to a choice point, knowing themselves a little better, they can make different choices. But you have to become aware before you can make a different choice. Otherwise, the choice goes right by and you don't even recognize it. And then you're awkward and you're off schedule and you feel like your world's not working and you can't figure out why it's not comfortable. Like your chart, uh-huh. you have to be analytical and you have to have things understood or you can't play. That just needs to know that. Like your right. numbers and organizing things and putting them together. Like otherwise, you're going to be like, I don't like this game. Interesting. It's just your nature. So when you follow your nature... Then mm. there's a quality of comfort that happens, and this is the beginning of my life's work. How do I get people more comfortable in their skin? And then they find themselves so comf- happy, and then they're so authentic, and then they're so creative. And then the next thing you know, old Jed's millionaire. The kin folks say, Jed, move away from there. They say, California is a place you ought to be, so he loaded up his truck, and he moved to Beverly Hills, <laughs> that is. Swimming pools. So, so what you're saying then is that you've always been attracted and involved with storytelling. It's just that now you're giving it a more structured name because now you're going to be integrating it more directly. Yes. Yeah? Yes, and I think your podcast is in igniting in me how important it is to understand storytelling and the point the choice points and how to develop my story because the the whole of my life's work has been watching rhythms of people seasons cycles and then being able to introduce awareness that's the whole exercise here is i wrote a book called the missing element and the subtitle is compassion for the human condition Mm -hmm. like once you're aware once there's compassion especially if you can articulate it like oh this per this personality type right here she needs to talk you tell her to stop talking and you're going to lose her spirit. Mm-hmm. This person right here, he needs to be quiet. Don't bug him. He's nonverbal. And you learn skills of people's natural essences and you let them be, especially as a mother. This is where I think it's really important. And the next thing, I'm not going to sing that song again, but short answer is you become your crazy self. Authentic, crazy, unique self. So it has the potential to bring you closer into your most true self. Bingo. And what else is and- important? And just working with those four elements, when I was teaching up at Hollyhock, that was one of the exercises I did. And it was so interesting because I, I work with the five, I've, I actually work with five elements, you know. But um, in the work that I do in the class, it's only four, which always begs the question, what's the fifth? And I go, well, I'm not telling. And yeah, we'll talk about like, it later. But That's but, extra. Um, that's extra. Come back for the second show, um, the 10 o'clock show. So, yeah, so um, it was really interesting that we went around the circle and asked, you know, which one? It's fire, air, earth, and water. And with absolute assurity, everyone spoke out their element that they were dominant in. And it was so interesting to me because a lot of times if I ask other questions like, so do you think you're an introvert or extrovert? And they're like, well, well, 
well, you know, I get that, right? But when I used the elements, it was just like so direct. That's so good to know. That's such an interesting. Powerful. And that's yeah. what my book is in the book. In the middle of the book, you take a test based on mm-hmm. your, not on your chart. It's not astrology. Just based on what your behavior is and you determine what is the missing element. Because people definitely know which one they are, but the trick is to know which one you're not and then to so, balance that. So in the storytelling work or in the creative work that, that we do, what I ask people is where that dominant, that dominant element, how has it helped you? And how has it been a deterrent? How has it gotten you into trouble? And so that's always fun. And then we, on the next day, we did the, the second round, which is which one are you lowest in? Which one do Bingo. you need more that's de- my life's development work. of? That's what yeah. I... And, and, that's, so then, and so if you can self-recognize that, then you can say, okay, how do, we, how do we bring more of that element into it to the point where you come to equilibrium, to you come to homeostasis so there can be balance? So here's a concrete example, Mr. Earth, over here to my right. So when I was younger, I had all these candles in my room. I, didn't, I only realized this starting to do the storytelling. I collected candles. And when I came home from college, like in my freshman year, I realized I had never lit one. They were all over my room. I had never lit a candle. And then I came to find out my strong element was fire. But as a child, I was so afraid, and this is what my life's work is, I was so Mm. afraid of my fire, it took me a very deliberate effort to ignite and feel unselfconscious about singing in the middle of a podcast or being crazy because I had identified by my parents what normal was. And so because I'm so fire, and then I realized, God, all those years I had all those candles and was too, too scared to be myself. So what my life's work is, Especially in storytelling, the more the character has substance and has a history, you, know, you can. This is where I'd love to work with um, movie makers and using astrology, giving the character psychological depth based on their chart. There's such clear archetypes. You can you can actually create an architect. You could become like a builder of a character, and then one, it's you. First of all, that's interesting because you come study with me. But then two, in honor of your life's work, your guy's storytelling. How do you build that character with enough conviction, and how do you articulate their qualities? Because we tend to neglect, we can't talk about personality type. Like, I can tell you about you, and at the end of the session, you're going to be like, how did she know all that? But if I asked you, just to your point, Josh, when you ask people what they are, it can be wobbly. They don't know. It's like they don't have, except when you have the absolute fascination like we do of trying to figure everybody out. You have that, by the way. You could analyze the poop out of people if you were left to your own devices. It's kind of interesting, though, because, like, I would say probably in the last 10 years of my life, I've become, I think, I don't know, less analytical, but certainly less science-oriented. And I don't know if maybe... I bet 2007 was a big turning point for you. (laughs) What happened in 2007? 2007, 2008. Um, Think back. How old were you? You must have been just turning 30. Yeah. Uh, you think amongst yourself while we talk, yeah. Josh and I. I didn't realize yeah, I was getting really. That's why really getting you, a reading you should today. never tell you an astrologer all your secrets. Yeah, you should never tell astrology your sign because they might tell you things about yourself. Uh oh. Uh oh. You might have insight. Uh oh. I'm scared. <laughs> when I have a c- curious question about Sunday, which is that you were dealing with different characters in the story you told in that show, and when you were dealing with those characters, were you when you wrote that story did you think about you know it was a personal story so you obviously knew it very well but did you think about their sign and how that reflected their behavior definitely i could feel the fire of one of the characters when she screamed at me Yeah. yeah i'm aware certainly of the personality types in my this is helping me though because i'm needing to develop more the storyline and you guys this is an art as my art is often unrecognized how do you 
read somebody's chart, the art of storytelling is often assumed. It's built in. But I'm loving the idea of getting more conscious yeah. using the characters and the development and the choices. And, yeah, I'm having so – I feel like I'm in a new – like, you know, like in a, a game or st- when you go to Disneyland and they have a whole new ride and you've never seen it before and you're so excited to go on it because it looks so fun. That's what I feel like. Storytelling for me is a whole other adventure for me mm. that I didn't expect to have such fascination with. I can't wait to do it again, even though I was so scared and I felt disappointed in myself. I want to go do it again. Well, that's a good sign. And it's an ongoing process because it's a developmental process. It's about developing your sense and sensibilities as you roll out the story. And that's what people ultimately will pay you for is the sense and sensibilities, not the actual technical data or the underlying thing that you're supposed to do based on the books you read. It's a developmental task. I always tell people that you have to be more creative with your creative process. You have to find your way into your creative process. Why would you want to be creative and then ask someone how to do it? You know what I mean? Yeah, past yeah. A certain, past a certain level. But that's, that's the name of the game. And I had such a good coach. I was working with Anne, and she was really mm. making the story work, really. And the process of how to go about that, telling the story, finding out where the juice was, being reminded. I went, I don't know, I've written a book. As you know, I told you, and that was a really hard thing. But I think this is a whole other dimension mm. of, of entering into creativity, as you'd say, the creative process. Oh, yeah. I mean, I find it, as somebody who worked as a journalist for a decade, like it's a very different skill to start telling stories that are, I guess they're personal, but also understanding how narrative works, how characters go through journeys, um, what are the, the events and the scenes that press up against their character that force them to change. It's a whole different sort of education mm-hmm. than writing nonfiction, which is more informational and educational and expository, um, having done both. And it's interesting. Sto- right, so, so, so right there, when you said having done both, yeah. like in that moment, I know that you're smart. <laughs> that was mean. And, 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 and well read. That was mean. Like, oh, like, oh, no, 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 that's not mean. No, 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 that, that, that's actually a compliment. And it's also about character. Like only someone who's well read would would say it that way. That's one. That's one of my well, tells. Yeah, I mean, Judge and I talk about this all the time. Like, I was thinking. I was thinking. Oh my God, he's so Virgo. I swear I was. <laughs> I just have to tell the truth. Like the level yeah. of his articulation and your fascination yeah. with analyzing and becoming yeah. conscious of the process. Uh-huh. I just. I mean, I just having done both, I can just. It's just saying like one is a lot harder for me. You know, one is much more difficult. Like I could, and. If it could be experience, but I just think there is something harder for me and I think for a lot of people about understanding character, understanding that characters change in stories, understanding that character behavior has to be consistent, that it's represented in certain ways. Like Part of it is intuitive, but part of it is also... Well, it's also Learning. because it's non. It's also because it's nonlinear. You can't. I mean, you can graph it after you're done, but to make it natural and to appear as if, it it has to have its own natural ebb and flow, yeah. even within the structure that you've given it. Gotcha. You know, it's like one of those things. Yeah, yeah. It's mutable. It's well, let mutable. me ask you, Deborah, how are you finding it? Well, one of the interesting parts that's occurred in the last six months is I'm making this creative transition. I started writing. Uh, entirely different way than I usually write, which is really helping this. And I'm writing mm. from personal experience, and it's very mm. poetic, and it's mm. very like. And I'm really proud of it. I, I I'm kind of flipped out. One I just recently wrote and didn't know I'd written it when I read it back. I was like, who wrote this? So there's a creativeness. How do you say that? There's a. I feel almost like 
some part of me is channeling in another level I've never done before, and I can only attribute it to, I think the biggest, deepest, compelling force for an artist is to want to create. And I have that in spades. I can mm. never let myself be idle. So first it was being a long-standing therapy astrologer, and then all of a sudden this is shifting to creative voice. And I'm letting myself, I, if I was an American Indian, they would change my name right about now to one that writes. Because I, it used to be that I was one that spoke a lot, mm -hmm. but I can feel this other voice coming forward. And it's unusual. And, and uh, again, to be aware of it, to know that you're in transition, this is part of being in your 60s. There's a opening that happens once you reach 60 where there's a maturing process. And all of a sudden you're free because you don't care what anyone thinks. It's like this liberating. So there I was on stage like a goofball. I mean, I felt self-conscious. Mm -hmm. But I was determined to say, we're doing this. Yeah. Creative. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. It showed a lot of courage. You didn't look like you were scared at all. On stage? Yeah. Uh, I do experience anxiety up there. I think... It gets a little bit easier if I've done it because maybe you just have experience. You realize the world doesn't fall apart. But I also, you also start doing increasingly vulnerable material. And so it changes. I don't know. I've, I mean, I wish that I could say that I've spoken to people who say that after doing it a lot, it gets totally easier. I think there are some people who do get really comfortable up there. And then I know people who've performed hundreds and hundreds of times and they still get anxious. And I think... For sure, you get to a point where it's not the end of the world. Or I hope so. I hope I get to that point. Do you perform, it's not Josh? The, end of the world. Um, I started as a actor and writer and performer. Yes, mm. that that's my background. That's why I'm so somatic in my approach. I don't. I don't. I'm not one of these guys who has like. Um, a desire to impart book knowledge. I want people to have direct experiences because I feel like that's how um, it goes in and it stabilizes and then people can modify it from there. Because the world is filled with people that understand the creative process on an intellectual level because they have PhDs, which is like, I don't want to say it's crazy to have a PhD in theater because I'm sure there's things for historical reasons and blah, blah, blah. But for a performing artist, for someone who actually wants to be an actual creative um, I would say that would be overkill. <laughs> yeah. It, and, and, you know, one of the ladies that we had on our show, uh, you just talked about uh, the amazing Anne Randolph, you know, and she, uh, people should check out her show because it's one of our most popular shows and we have a short version, a long version, right, Adam? Uh, and she talks about, about her journey or, or, maybe, or maybe we just did one show, but she talks about her journey as a creative, uh, as a creative and, and yeah. all the ups and downs of it. And yeah, our fantastic. friend Anne Randolph uh, who has just gotten back from Europe touring on Inappropriate in All the Right Ways, her show about so many things, but a lot of what success and failure really are and the trajectory of her story and her adventures and performing in New York and all over the world. And uh, misadventures. And misadventures. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that's part of her life's work is, is embracing the creative process and being willing to go out on stage again and again and be vulnerable and tell a story mm -hmm. and be willing to be in development and process and having to redefine failure really you know I and mean, i think that's i think sometimes that's the reward the reward is not getting the story right the reward is being willing to do multiple drafts and seeing that if you're dealing with anxiety or your unwillingness to to write the next draft that is the work the work is getting comfortable with that process because when you're comfortable with that it should translate and almost does to other aspects of your life. Of like, course, of course. It's not just like you don't become obsessed with getting 
the perfect house or the perfect partner or the perfect relationship, it starts to become about like, who am I in relationship to my art, to another human being, to the world. And I think what's hard sometimes is when you go out and perform, like we did on Sunday, it's like you get confronted with that aspect of yourself that's still developing. So like you go out there and you're like, God, I was still nervous and I didn't get to all the material I wanted to in the 15 minutes I had on stage. You know, you're like, that stuff comes up. And that's yeah. part of it too. It's not just did I land the story choice point at the right moment? Did I embody the character properly? Did I did people laugh at my joke? It's more. There's something behind that. There's like how you show up emotionally on that stage, which is something that I think I know I am still working on, and it's changed. When you say I look comfortable up there, it's like yeah, maybe when the first ever time. You know, I haven't done that much storytelling on the stage in this in-between period, but I remember the first time I did it, like 2014, I was terrified. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so This was my second time. But I want to just say to anyone listening, for those of you that are creative and are not able to call yourself that, I feel like that's a big change that's going on for me, just even being on this podcast. Creativity is not easy to own. Mm-hmm. People do it so naturally and so instinctually. This is an astrological truth. that It comes out of them like Anne, like there's no stopping it. And then there's a lack of acknowledgement of that because it's usually a private thing that you do by yourself and in your creative head and does it actually get seen. And I'm just beginning to own. It feels so good that I am exceptionally creative. And the creative urge is what's pushing me on that stage. Yeah. And that comes from a deep, for me, from a deep desire to help people wake up that's part of my job this life is i was born in the year of the rooster mm-hmm. and I, i'm like an alarm clock and i live on an island filled with roosters <laughs> and and my promise is to you know will my creativity be the fire to ignite other people's hearts can i help somebody not be limited to judging themselves and getting caught like can i tell my story with a deep enough authenticity that you just go hey if she did it because i had such a terrible childhood if she got through that then any that's my prayer is let this creative urge that i think all of us does everyone feel it? i don't know creative yeah it's something that i've talked to other people about i think that we don't grow up in a culture that encourages creative expression by and large i mean i certainly in the educational system yeah and it's um I think even linear people need creative expression. It's like it's like kind of like is it a question is is it a basic human need? I think self-expression is a basic human need, and whether you do that with music, if you do that with painting, whether you do that with words, it's really up to you. I think what's unfortunately happened is that we've separated out these people who are quote unquote geniuses, Mozart, Beethoven, Scorsese, whoever you want to put in that category, and we think they're separate beings. And I do think there's some artistic sensibility that comes in and. You know, I'm sure that Martin Scorsese has an incredible visual sensibility that part of it he came into this world with. But I also think it's like he made movie after movie after movie after movie until he really, you know, he was willing to sit in development for long periods of time, as were a lot of other people. So uh, I think that is part of the problem is that and then people have no confidence and they feel like they shouldn't be heard. And then the problem with that becomes that people who are never seen for their authentic self become angry irritable people <laughs> there you go <laughs> they, you know they, there's a that's part of astrological that's in astrology it's the element of fire and if fire is the creative urge and you of course Josh are double fire so there's a very strong impulse to burn it just goes that way but for some people that not expressing it turns into anger like if, there, if there's no creative outlet they start to gain weight 
and they get feisty and pissy and they don't know why they're not exercising that's the other same element as creativity comes the urge to exercise mm -hmm. so some people are like ew they hate the idea of getting in their body or having to perform you know that whole and then it yeah. gets sublimated and psychologically that is what's called depression mm -hmm. pushing down all that energy depression, that you came yeah. with natural fire excitement and that mm -hmm. people that are depressed are often suppressing their fire so from an alchemical perspective, um, that's what alchemy is. Alchemy, one of the elements of alchemy is having fire and water and cohabitating without one extinguishing the other. Can you have fire and not uh, make the water turn to steam and evaporate? And can the water element be in harmony with the fire so it doesn't extinguish the fire? And so in general, we look at fire being masculine and water being feminine or the sun and the moon. And so that's why in my place, I actually have four walls. Two of them are painted blue and two of them are painted like a burnt orange because I'm constantly working on that because that's the emotional life and the expression. Can I ask but, you guys? Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. Can I ask you yeah, guys a quick question? Uh, yeah. Sorry, you go ahead, Josh. No. Yeah, because what I want to talk about was I want to talk about is is that is that we can do anything from a mechanical perspective, and we can do anything from an artistic, creative perspective. So if I'm an actor, I can show up on a set of a um, what's that called, a soap opera, and I can do it technically and mechanically and be a craftsman or a journeyman or technician, or I can do it as an artist. It's the same job. So it's not what we do, it's how we do it. It's how we show up to the process. How, what parts of us do we bring to ourselves that's mm, separate from the exterior? And so science can be just as creative as you know, music or art or theater or film or anything else. And that's why they call it motion picture arts and sciences, because there is a commingling there. It's so interesting. Yeah, you notice this sometimes when you go to plays or even do see personal storytelling there are people who don't have particularly strong technical story skills and can't do characters on stage and they there's a lot that we would say they quote unquote can't do but they show up as sensitive vulnerable people in the world and they're in touch with that part of themselves and we connect with it because it, the technical training is helpful but it's not enough and we know this too sometimes when we go to plays and someone is technically proficient but we feel like there's something dead there there's nothing really there Right. Meaning like their facial expressions are there and their lines are all clean and their blocking is clean, but there's no sense of their heart and their emotional life behind it. There ain't no one home. Yeah. Yeah. And you so can't fake what, that. So here's the interesting thing is that is that film, video, all those all those mediums, those are director's mediums. In other words in other words, I can cut a performance to make you look better than you are. Where the technical skills of the performer are, the, the technical skills, not the soft skills, the technical skills are, there's less demand. Because I can counterbalance that with my technical skills to make it look good. So even though you could only maybe do like maybe 10 or 15 seconds worth of like strong chops as an actor, they'll be able to take those 15 seconds over, spread out over a whole day and sculpt together a, a performance for you. If you're on stage, that ain't going to happen. You've got to have real chops to be on stage. So that's what separates um, two different kinds of performances or two different kinds of performers. It's very interesting. Very interesting. 
I'm curious, um, Deborah, about when you were working as a psychotherapist, like, and you someone comes into your office. Was it hard for you to ignore who they were astrologically? Like, no, every single. So Carl Jung in, from Switzerland, yeah. he was the original psychiatrist. He was a astrologer, and he was quoted to say, "Psychology will be a dinosaur science until it includes astrology." So he wasn't. He just couldn't tell everyone. So every person that came to see me, I always had their chart in front of me. I don't know if you guys know that I spent a year and a half with Sting. Do you know the story? No, no. I traveled no. for a year and a half with Us. him. It was because of his chart. I did his chart, went in to give him a reading. It was kind of a random. I'm not going to go into the long version because it's just too. But it's a juicy story. I entrust. I trusted my intuition. Ended up with his best friend, who was this Jewish guy in London. Gave him a reading. He was so blown away, he called Sting unbeknownst to me the next day. I fly back to Denver. My phone rings, and it's Sting. Hello. I, my best friend can't stop talking about you. Can I have a reading? I'm in Denver. I was like, who is this? Oh, Sting. I'm like, come on. <laughs> He's like, and then he said, I don't know where I am. I don't know how to get you there, but I'll find out. I'll call you back. So I ended up <laughs> uh, working with him. That was our original contact. And then he picked me to be the mediator for the police. And so I traveled. So I got to... There was a... create. There is a... Uh, that sounds like a great documentary. It was a wonderful job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so wait, you were like the band man. therapist? Yes, I was the mediator. Slash astrologer. Mm -hmm. So when people couldn't get along, they brought you in? Section. Regularly. They, I was on... <laughs> I won't tell you how often I showed up. Because the, they were having... Everyone knew they were having a hard time. The police came back together. And they had broken up after 23 years of not being together. They had a reunion tour. and Yeah. But the point of that story without all that is I watched a genius performer who could go on stage embodied, and it's in his chart, Leo Rising. He had the fire element, and um, stand up with full conviction every single show, turn up the volume, such a strong Saturn, so much discipline. He has incredible discipline, and come off the stage and then go back to his regular self. Mm. <laughs> It was really a good training program. I think that really helped my creativity. I have to say, our friendship that I've had with him has really supported my... Because listening and watching and being so close to him and seeing mm. his like creativity, the endless... Mm. His complete freedom in creativity was contagious. So using your language, that's, that's the challenge. The challenge is Jupiter and Saturn. Do you know? The challenge is having the Jupiter, so you have expansion, you have creativity, you have a largesse, you have expansion, and you're playing, and you're having fun. And to commingle that with the Saturn, which is the ability to show up and be technical and have, discipline, discipline. and have a discipline and keep going, but to keep both of them alive. And so most artists tend to lean towards one or the other. Good call. Which one and do you what, lean towards? Oh, oh, come, come I now. Don't that's know why you. I, th 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 that's why Adam and I are so close because you know I, I he tend does to go. Saturn, exp you do Jupiter. Yeah, so I, I'm a Jupiter young. guy. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I, I go for. And if you want to birth a baby, if you want to birth a baby, you have to have expansion and contraction side by side. Otherwise, no baby's going to come out. And that's about a creative I, process. Josh, did you right consciously there. look for a Virgo to collaborate with? Is that no. I feel like it has nothing to do with me now. That's so funny. I'm that's just a birthday to you. Oh, that's so sweet. You're more than a birthday to me, Adam. <laughs> just a birthday. Uh, um, but yeah, but it, it's all about expansion and contraction. So I like I, I usually show up to these podcasts with like some ideas or something like that, you know, air element. And then and then Adam is there to ground it and go, okay, so what you did. So for those listeners, for those listeners who actually want a, a translation in English, this is what Joshua just said. Yeah, that would be Earth. 
to the area. Yeah. Well, it raises an interesting question. It's like because I was a journalist, that kind of profession reinforces that behavior. Well, you were drawn. That's the whole point yeah, of this. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, at what right. point do you Which make a conscious first? decision to yeah. go to a career on, that is not? Yeah. Well, when it happens, I meet lots of clients who come to me totally frustrated because they're a square peg. They're trying to pretend they're an accountant and really they're an artist. So they're they're an, an artist who's really not good at details and has to get that part developed. So just because the thing that's missing in our stories, we don't have consciousness around. It's so funny. You would think every kid, I did this, by the way, in a school, every kid's chart would be done, explain mm-hmm. to the teacher, explain to the parents, this kid's natural rhythm is details. Let him get, and don't, he's going to get nervous and upset. You've got to soothe him. And he needs to be touched because if you don't touch this kid, he's going to end up with the jitters. This kid over here, Mr. Josh, he's got so much chi, you got to let him go outside. Don't hold him back. If you don't give him some space and freedom, you're going to get him right pissed off. Am I right or am I right? So, so you're absolutely right on. And here's and here's and here's the here's the rub. The rub is is that our educational system it was originally produced uh, to you know create factory workers. And so it's systematized and automatized. And there is no ability to have sort of discernment when it comes to how you treat different people at different times. And because it has to be graded, it has to be standardized. And as soon as you put those parameters in place, you've just, and most kids are, are most people are introduced to creativity in the school system. So you've, you've given them a double jam from, from the very giddy up, and then you wonder why people are the way they are. But that's changing because it's so broken. The system is so broken. This is the good news about astrology. The future is upon us. It's about 60 miles east of here. I made that part up. The future is upon us, and it's got a really good ending to the story, so don't get worried, said the astrologer. But in the meantime, to your point, the more we let our children, I am a mother, and children are my favorite people, besides dogs, and if we let our children be who they are and had a language to be able to support that, this is my dream. And so I have mm-hmm. the school, people are coming, well, I don't know when we're airing this, but the school's only twice a year. It's in January oh. and September, it's coming up next month. Um, and in the school, I tra- in six weeks, I train, particularly women, how to look at a chart and understand in simple terms the language and then be able to apply it. It's called Applied Astrology, the course. It's not just studying with theory. And the course is all about this. How do we let people's individuality be fostered rather than squished into that little because none of us i didn't fit in normal i always say normal's a setting on the dryer i had i had very little to do with normal Uh uh-huh said the astrologer at the age of 19 Um, i read also deborah that you were drawn to astrology very young and i was curious even for both of you what do you think it was do you think part of your astrological sign is responsible for your interest in astrology i'd like to hear josh that's a great question what drew you to astrology josh Toss the ball. So what? 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 Uh, what month and day are you? Uh, I just need to know month and day. That's all. Who me? Yeah, you. M- what are you looking for? My card? Are you looking? What are you looking? Just, for? just May twenty fourth. May twenty fourth. Okay. There's no question that like your your ability and your need to what I call read people is 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 like part of your makeup. It's part of like how you came out. You know, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and what else? What else is operating inside of you? Um, your need for variety is is tops. Like, like y- if you don't get variety, you you wither and die. 
That's so funny so, because I am a repetitive creature of habit that drives my partner crazy because I go in circles. I drive, I ride the same bike path every single day, and I eat the same food. But I, I do have a variety in that I live in two but, cities. <laughs> I do. Right. Well, that would be an indicator. I mean, you, you may have a need to have the security and the structure of high repetition and stuff like that. I do. But within that, but within that structure, you have, but living in two cities already gives you that variety. That's the truth. And, and, you've, and you've already transitioned how many times in your work life? So, you know, those are, those are some of the indicators that I look at in terms of, um, yes. you know, you're, you're ever evolving. I you am. could look at it as a spiral. But oh, it's still, no it's, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's still, it's still high growth. I am changing uh, my. You're career. a high growth person. I'm changing my career. I'm going to be a storyteller when I grow up. That's a big deal. Forty years in the same thing every day. I'm changing my career. You can do it. You think so? Yeah, I think you can. You're not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. Also, you're a focused person. I get the feeling like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you're all in, and like you're kind of you're the kind of person that's focused and all in, and those people, like you know. It's kind of like what, like, that, what does that what does that look like to you? Because that would that would be helpful. Because here, here's what I find so interesting is that people say, "Oh, I want I want to be in, in the creative arts," and yet they want someone else to tell them what to do, or they want to make it uh-huh. similar to something else. So, how would you see in your ideal world? It's a great how would you question. see yourself being uh, as a storyteller and being? I, what I'm imagining is that I'm going to. Um, this is my imag- I've had this since I was a kid in my imaginary life. I have this one woman stand up show that is emotionally based, but it's doing the four elements, but it's very personal, so it's poignant. It's got like a depth to it, and it. And then I don't know the how to part, but I see the show in just a few cities, and people are coming to it, and then. It starts to really, just that one, it's a continual moving show. It changes, but the elemental conversation continues. And then I could see myself doing a lot of that when I grow up. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that was so, actually a really clear vi- vision. I, I was see like, it. I swear, I see <laughs> it's like it. You see the cities? Yeah, I see like two or three cities. Like I could see doing it in L.A., getting a really good promoter and making all this up. <laughs> but but I, I have a feeling that once it's going to take me a good year because I can see it in my chart before the materials worked out. and bef- But I felt the other night, even though I was disappointed in myself, and I was really disappointed the first night, um, that's okay. I, it just shows me I have very high, like when I wrote that book, The Missing Element, honest to God, it took me, it's embarrassing, 20 years to write a book. And, I, and I'm so proud of it. I would give myself an A, and so did Sting. He endorsed the book. But I am so not willing to be slightly mediocre that this is probably going to take a little while. Yeah, that's a challenge. We've, we've talked about perfectionism. And I mean, just I think authenticity, what's good. like really authentically present. Yeah, authentically I think what's encouraging is that you're going back out there and that you're continuing to work on the story. Uh, some people shut down. When, I can see why. It's yeah, not it's not, fun. it's not easy. Um, and it can also be very vulnerable, particularly when you do it in front of strangers. Ew. But never mind last night, uh, Sunday night, where we're in front of a community in that a you live in, in a church. So, <laughs> but I think the fact that you, it's inside you and you want to go out there and keep doing it, and the rewards are the vulnerability on stage. I mean, that's what I think is hard to see at the beginning. It's like that thing you hate is also the reward. Yeah, I can I could see that in the future. <laughs> I can see the future. Yeah. It's 60 miles east of here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we were talking about, about how expectations uh, can kill. 
and how we have certain expectations. And if we don't meet those expectations, we can beat ourselves up. And I certainly have done more than my share of that. And um, I feel like a lot of times, because some of the best performers in the world, we get to see them and they make it look so easy, which is the whole point, so that you would think, oh, wow, I can do that. And then you get up on stage for 15 minutes and you, you know, and you flounder for, you know, 14 and a half and you find like a groove for like 30 seconds. And I would say that's success. I would say that's success because, and the problem is that you're on stage and that you're being witnessed by people and people are, you know, there's more judgment. But if you went into a meditation class for the very first time in a 15 minute meditation and you were able to meditate for 30 seconds out of 15, that would be huge. That would be right. staggering. And yet, and yet we don't, we don't allow ourselves the same kind of curve when we get on stage, we have a demand yeah. that 15 minutes should just be pulled out. And it's not, it's not a realistic expectation. Nor is it doable, nor is that focal point even going to help you. Because at best, you can get three to four fragments. And the best people that I've worked with always work in chunks. They go, okay, I want to nail this moment, this moment, and this yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, I can and see And that's that. it. I can really see that. Yeah, you start to work in story beats. And it's not just on stage. It's when you're working on your own writing as well, whether you're writing a novel or a script or whatever you're doing. You really are trying to just get segments of things working. And I think sometimes the hard part is, like, when you start to even go beyond 15 minutes, like when you're thinking about something like a feature script or something like that, then the complexity becomes you have to track the character over a long period of time and it has to be engaging over a long period of time and you have to really buy into their journey and like to bring it back to astrology like if you're dealing with these traits these very comp you know fixed traits and they're they're struggling up against them and trying to balance them and it usually manifests in film or in a novel in unhealthy behavior right uh and in life. And in life, right. You're kind of seeing this journey, and that occurs over a longer period of time. And sometimes that can be challenging when you start to get into long-form work. And there are ways to deal with that. And, you know, simple things like understanding who your character is at the beginning of the story and who they are at the end. And then so we start to watch that. And we start yeah. to figure out how do we uh, put this character into the worlds and scenes and relationships that challenge them the same way in life, you know, relationships challenge us and change us if we are open to the change. Sometimes we dig in and we go backwards. You know? During Mercury retrograde, when is this airing, you guys? Uh, this might be airing very soon because, because since I've been in Hawaii, I think I think, I think Thursday. Yeah, this is. Oh, that's so good. Let's Thursday. just tell everyone that if they are interested to learn astrology, even the skeptics that don't believe a thing. There's a school starting at the end of August. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So at, at the at well, what what are the dates? Uh, that's good. You asked. But here's how you do it. You would just write to. There's one word: apprenticeship, at Deborah Silverman Astrology, and say you heard on this podcast, and then you would get a um, big fat smile. Here it is: the dates: August 13th to 26th is when the cart is open. So it's uh, applied astrology beginner level one, and then. Start, actually, the course actually starts September 9th. But it's just on this. It's on Zoom. You learn. You use your own chart. There's just 10 people in the room. You study on mm. your own chart. And you go mm. step by step. Like really small bite-sized bits so you can get it. And then by the end, people have... I can't tell you. I get the craziest letters every day. Like, it changed my life. Like during school, there's so much transformation. Because the first classes, you figure out your missing element. And you take the test. And then they give you homework. So immediately you're in Transformation City. 
you know, you know, Adam's is a Virgo, and that's right around his birthday. So I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know, you know, he's you fifteen could take and a half. Give you the family he's, rate because yeah, I already I like mean, you. Yeah, that's very sweet. You. It would just be really hilarious <laughs> if I came out of that class knowing more. And the, just and needing to talk like about me? astrology on this. I, I've, I've been humoring Josh for two years every time he brings it up. <laughs> I that, love that true. story. Well, <laughs> the opportunity is coming and you can get the family rate. And by okay. the way, we like when men come to study because lots of women. There's lots of women. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show so spontaneously, too. That's you, my specialty. Amazing. Now, there's my specialty, truly. Spontaneity. Yeah. I, yes. can do, I can do that really fast. Deborah was so open. She jumped on this podcast. Yeah. She was so relaxed when I showed up with a mess of audio gear. Yeah. It's all worked out perfectly. And, me- and Mercury's retrograde and everything's been funny, but this was effortless. Good. Good. Thank you, guys. Well, really? Thank you so much. Well, we actually work for effortless. Yeah. <laughs> We really do. I mean, I do. I, I, I feel like that's really one, one of the main components of the creative process is mental and physical relaxation. So I you can love that. I work for Effortless. Yeah. I work for it. Yeah. The company I work yeah. for. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. I'm going to send you off with uh, Aloha because we want to send yeah. you through the airwaves. Feel the yeah. spirit of Aloha. Feel the spirit of the South Shore of Kauai. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Really. Thank you, guys. Aloha. Hey.